Welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to talk about, did we, did we just get reparations? From a financial standpoint, obviously. Did we get a form of reparations? And the reason I ask that question is, if anyone has been following um, just any media outlet, we see multiple um, corporations and companies making charitable donations to causes that target injustice. Uh, you have a few that are helping with business um services and things of that particular nature. Uh some of the organizations, corporations that I saw, I got I got these from a Forbes article. Uh obviously you have the NFL, uh PayPal, Walmart, Sony, Warner, Comcast, Target, Facebook, Amazon, Verizon, Bank of America made a one billion dollar contribution for over four years, Coke, Fashion Nova, and we obviously saw the Jordan brand, and we also saw Michael Jordan come out and essentially say that, hey, enough is enough, right? So if any of you have been listening to uh, any of my previous podcasts, my stance has been the same. Um, let's talk about economics. Let's talk about economics. Now, what ends up happening with situations like this is these donations are 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 broad. Uh, majority of them are speaking per people of color, um, minority, um, people of color, minority, individuals that are focusing on injustices. Um, if you've been watching YouTube, they are posting particular different things like this and all of this particular stuff like that. Now, obviously, again, if you've heard any of my previous podcasts, you know how I feel about the word minority and I feel the same way about people of color. And while I look at these charitable donations as good gestures, even great gestures, I feel like that individuals that don't necessarily, what's the word, haven't necessarily suffered or had to actually experience these particular different type of things, it's one of those situations where you also get the benefits. Now, not saying by any stretch of the imagination that other ethnic groups haven't um, had situations where police brutality has been a issue, but when we speak about it from a long-standing thing, its inception was catching slaves. So from day one, the relationship between police and African Americans, blacks, whatever. You go by Moors, uh, Hebrew Israelites, whatever, whatever 
you classify or identify as, that relationship started from that particular day, right? And it has been ongoing. But also, as I say, I also like to try to look at the layer above it. These people are put into positions. These people were put here for this exact particular thing, right? This is what they were put in position for. And this is what we actually, this is the actually end result of what it is that's been transpiring. So when we when we speak about situations like that, and some of them I've seen said they're going to address uh, systemic racism. Uh, I saw, I believe it was Sony, I believe, was talking about that they're going to offer um, classes or internships teaching people about the music business and, and, and things of that particular nature. Now, one of the things that I look at that, I don't necessarily call myself a, a, a music buff. I like what I like as far as music, but from a business perspective, I don't necessarily um, know the ins and outs of it. But when I see something like that, I think to myself that in the era where you don't necessarily need major corporations to actually get music out there, learning about the business can be done by simply going on the internet. It's millions of individuals that have stories about things that have transpired in the business. I don't think you need to necessarily offer something like that when the information is readily available, right? But again, it is what it is. And everyone, again, is offering different types of gestures. So I'm not here. I'm not against it. Now, what we have or what we had or still are experiencing is a pandemic. The coronavirus has not gone anywhere. Uh, we see different um, stories now coming out that certain states' cases are spiking. They're trying to make sure that it's not a situation where the hospitals are overwhelmed like they were during the initial first wave. So that's still out there. But when I think about necessarily what's going on here, I just have to really stop and I have to think to myself and say, one of the biggest issues that occurred, atrocities that occurred, because I feel that's the right word to use for this, is that the U.S. government came up and said, hey, if you make under 70 thousand dollars we're going to cut you a one-time $1,200 check. We're going to bail out major businesses. We've had stories of individual business, of businesses that didn't need the loans, apply for the loans because they have the attorneys, financiers, that are able to 
write it up in such a way that they get these loans, accountants and things of this particular nature. And I looked at it and I said, wait a minute, 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 stop, stop, stop. Some of these loans, some of these charitable donations are going to Black Lives Matters. And I'm not here, I'm not here to trash Black Lives Matters. I'm not here to do any of that particular stuff like that. But when we look at it from a particular standpoint, it has not necessarily been a driving force for the black community as an overall, right? So I say it's kind of the same thing. The individuals and the entities that I feel are deemed to be on the forefront are the ones that are going to receive this funding. And grassroots organizations who really have the people's best interests are going to be the ones similar to what we had with the pandemic. They're going to be the ones that get the scraps, the $1,200. So it's essentially that the money is going unregulated, right? Because it's kind of one of those situations that even though these major corporations have can hire individuals to cipher through all of the, the gibberish and actually get the money to the places that it needs to be, we have to understand that that, that particular due diligence isn't going to be done, right? It's kind of one of those situations, okay, that's, a, that's an organization. So uh, NAACP, Urban League. Black Lives Matter, other in, in the, you know in, you know institutions like that, institutions that have been around for hundreds of years, right? <clears throat> well, Black Lives Matter hasn't been around hundreds of years, but it has ascended to that 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 level of the Urban League as well as the NAACP. Right. And while these particular organizations have done some good, I'm not going to sit up here and say that they they haven't done any good because that would be just short sighted. That would be kind of getting caught up in the. The the now, because a lot of instances, individuals say, well, they've never done anything. And while they may have not done as much recently as they've done in the past, we have to at least commend them for what they have done, right? Even if they may not be doing as much now, we still have to pay homage that they did something. But at the same token, if these particular, which these funds are going to be received by these institutes, then they need to do the due diligence and make sure that this money is given to the areas that is needed, right? So on one of my last podcasts, uh, I talked about one of the things that they're talking about is defunding police officers and putting that money um, into different particular places, right? So again, like I said, what, what, what we have here is institutions, groups, organizations that are not necessarily the right people that need to be receiving this these particular things 
because they're not gonna they're not gonna do it for the betterment. And a lot of times, what we hear and a lot of things that I've heard is that um, a lot of people lack organization. But I don't think it's as much of a lack of an organization as it is a situation of where the checks and balances are not being done correctly. Because there's a lot of grassroots organizations that don't get the access to these particular funds because they may be they may be deemed a little radical, right? So we have to understand, we look at the Urban League, we look at the NAACP, we look at Black Lives Matters. The, the, the thing that all three of these organizations have in common, they're not necessarily overboard. They're not necessarily in your face. They do enough to kind of teeter the line. Right. They're not they're not doing anything that may compromise um, any big sponsorships that they particularly have. Right. And for those who know, they sometimes are labeled or classified as the bourgeoisie class, the blacks who. W.E.B. Du Bois would classify as the talented 10th. Right, the talented tenth, by his definition, were supposed to be the individuals that were supposed to get us over the hurdle. Right, and he and Booker T. Washington went back and forth. Booker T. Washington felt that we can work our way, we can work hard, strive, and we can get acceptance. While W. B. Du Bois felt that hey, the ten percent is going to be the ones that get us over the hurdle. Now, what we can look at from this particular standpoint is that we've had these both these particular in, in you know mindsets working, right? But from an overall perspective, we ne- we haven't necessarily as a group progressed. We've had individual success, which is one of the things that a lot of covert racists say. Well, you have Oprah, you have Michael Jordan, you have Jay Z, you have. Kanye, you know, you've had these particular um, individuals. But if the shoe is on the other foot, we're talking about instances in which we're talking about longstanding type of things. We don't know what um, the Obama family is going to do after this. We don't know what the Jordan family is going to do about this. We don't know what the Carter family is going to do after this particular one generation. But we do know that the Rockefeller family is still an integral part. We know that the Vanderbilt family, we know that the Carnegie family, we know that the DuPonts families, we know these particular families, even after the head has been gone for a number of years, we know that this has been a continuation. So don't give us individuals when there's long-standing histories of entire families and companies that have stood the test of time, all right? So don't just give it to me like that. Don't give us individuals, right? Don't give us individuals. Don't, don't say that, right? 
So another thing that I've noticed, um, actually, I came across this video. Um, what was the brother's name? Um, I think it's YouTube was Officer Tatum or something like that. And I didn't watch the whole thing because one of the things that I noticed as a black man is that when we, sub when we subject ourselves to things that are opinions of others that we don't necessarily agree with, and we sit there and watch it and we, we, we somewhat get, um, furious about it. It's not, it's not. It's not helping us from a mental or even a health standpoint because it's causing your blood pressure to rise and stress and, and, and just anger, things that make things bubble over, right? So um, I watched a, a piece of it. And to a certain extent, again, even though from the overall perspective, I disagree, but one thing that... I felt that I did agree with, but I didn't agree with it because I understood the, the the way that he was trying to convey it was that he doesn't like as a black person feeling like we we always need handouts that we can't do anything on our own. We don't have individuals that can stand up for us, speak for us, that we, that we like organization, that we we need all of this particular assistance, right? Now, I agree. On the surface, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't want to be classified as one of those ones. I like the aspect of we can do for self. We have enough information. We have enough resources. We have enough of all of these particular different things to do things for ourselves. We lack organization on a grander scale, right? But the way that I interpreted that he was stating it was that a majority of people feel that, well, hey, we're not going to get this done, so we might as well beg. We might as well plead. We might as well do all of this. We might as well go out here and and, and make a, a fool, a mockery of ourselves to try to get to something, you know, just the way that we're going about it, right? I didn't like that connotation. I also didn't like um, this whole aspect of people trying to criminalize um George Floyd and, and all of this and just making this all about George Floyd when in actuality it's not all it's not about just George Floyd it's a culmination of him Michael Brown Tamir Rice Trayvon Martin Breonna Taylor Sandra Bland going all the way back to Emmett Till George Stenny Jr. right and countless other African-Americans that have been murdered and justice was never solved. So when anyone just talks about it from that particular aspect, I don't like it because it's not just about this particular brother. Even though this particular brother is being um, put up as the 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 somewhat the battle cry or the rallying point. That's 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 not 
what it is. Um, a brother that um, I didn't know this brother, but it was a brother that was choked out by a police officer in the area that I lived, that I live, and same situation, same situation that they that they did with George Floyd, citing that it wasn't the pressure of the police officer choking him that killed him. It was what it was, like they said he swallowed drugs or something, and it got caught up in his throat, and that's the reason that he choked and died, right? For the individuals that didn't march, that don't know about him now, obviously here, We've had individuals that know about this personally and have and taken to the streets to peacefully protest and even try to get that particular case reopened because just like a lot of these other situations, this that police officer not only was transferred, but by all accounts, he has a better job than he had. So you got a upgrade for doing what you may or what most may have considered was you murder the individual who may have not been deemed a notable citizen, right? But that doesn't matter. Right? Like a brother, like a brother that I listened to said, Martin Luther King went to jail more times than George Floyd. Right? Now obviously somebody may say, well that's different, right? It wasn't it wasn't for this, it wasn't for that. But if we're speaking about from an American standpoint, it doesn't matter what a black man goes to jail for. The aspect is you went to jail, so you're a criminal, plain and simple. That's what you are, right? You went to jail, regardless of how minuscule the charge was, you went to jail, point blank, period. You have a rap sheet, point blank, period, right? So... We don't have to get into all the particulars. Let's just talk about it from a sentencing in a jail procedure. Right? So getting back to essentially the topic, did we get our reparations from black people from an aspect? No, we didn't get reparations. Minorities, people of color, since they group us into that category, did we get reparations? Yeah, we got a a form of it. We 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 have what we call a a a somewhat of an open dialogue, right? So <clears throat> when we talk about um just the aspect of them saying that they're donating money to help fight systemic racism, it's very, very, very interesting when we when we talk about that. And I might have to make that a second particular podcast because I feel that it's a lot of information that goes along with actually trying to fight systemic racism. And I don't think individuals really look look behind the door of all of the things that have to transpire to actually begin fighting systemic racism. Right. And it's not just money. Right. Um, Money does a lot of things. Right. Money does a lot of things. But I always look at it from this standpoint. The richest American that ever lived. 
American now, not the richest man in the world, but American, was John D. Rockefeller. Had standard oil. But John D. Rockefeller wasn't the most powerful man in America at that time. That title belonged to J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan had, I'm not going to say nowhere near, but J.P. Morgan didn't have the net worth that John D. Rockefeller had. But J.P. Morgan was in a position where he had more power than John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller was forced to break up his business because of a monopoly. No one forced J.P. Morgan to break up his bank. Right? J.P. Morgan was called to the table to when the stock market went down and things of that particular nature, uh, nature they called J.P. Morgan. J.P., you got the power. You got the influence. Get this back. You know, get this under control. Right? So... I say that to say this, money without power and influence to go with it isn't going to work because you can have influence and have power with no money and get a lot more things done than just having money, right? Think about that. If you have power and you have influence, you can get things that necessarily money can't buy. So it's one of those situations where it's like where people say your reputation precedes you. It's kind of like one of my uh, one of the scenes from the Malcolm X movie when he met Mr. Archie and one of his. Right, you know, one of his uh, business associates told him, said, you know, he has a rep. Reputation travels. And Denzel Washington, who played the role of Malcolm X, said, I learned about you in in, in uh, Boston. Mr. Archer was like, Beantown? I've never been to Beantown. And he said, hey, it's like your man said, your rep travels. So... While they're giving money at you know at, at a particular token, does that mean that we are going to be able to um, have um, the ability for these particular institutes to also use their influence and their power to actually get it over, right? You know, not me, me being me. Take that bread and let's let's try to go ahead and let's 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 move some mountains over here. Right? Let's move some mountains over here. Let's try to use this money to try to set up things of our own. Right? So that situations like this can really drastically drop off. Right? But Again, I'm going to get on that on the second part of this uh, podcast. I'm just going to label the next one uh, Systemic Racism. So that's another episode of the Paradigm 132 podcast. I'll be back to you again next week. Peace. Right? They can turn around and sell it for the same price that you were selling it.
So when you're working with, with, with an individual, a group that thinks like that, and Amazon probably isn't the only one that thinks like that. Amazon just happens to be the example that I was able to read about. A group like that has shown we're not looking to concede any power whatsoever. We're looking to dominate. We're looking to dominate. We're looking to take more than we give. So some people may say, well, that's not systemic. That's 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 not systemic. And maybe not. But the reason I say it it has to be systemic. Is because that's the mindset of a lot of white America. Domination. Take no prisoners. Domination. If I can dominate you, I'm going to dominate you. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. Right? So, when you got that working at the same time, again, going back to what I said, the fine is cheaper than the solution. So, you know, looking at what these particular corporations gave, Amazon pledged $10 million, you know, to help with injustice. Amazon's a trillion dollar company. Trillion with a T. Not million, not billion, but trillion dollar company and they gave 10 million dollars which is way cheaper than it would be if they hired blacks to major roles within the company Facebook gave 10 million dollars Verizon gave 10 million dollars Walmart gave $100 million. Now, again, all of that money is a lot cheaper than going out and hiring these individuals so that they can have a sense of power, right? A vast majority of Fortune 500 companies do not have black CEOs. Right? They don't have black CEOs. So that's systemic in itself. We still have instances now where we have, we, 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 you know, we still turn the news on and, and, and every so often there'll be a story, oh, the first black person to do this. It's like it's 2020. So when you still got first in 2020 for a group of people that, based on census, has been here just as long as white people and Native Americans, you know, based on census, for us to, st- so, you know, it'd be different if someone says, okay, this is the first age, you know, this is the first uh, Latino or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, from a relatively speaking, now haven't necessarily been in the U.S. as long. But if we're talking 2020 and we're still, this is the first black person to do something, and someone tells me, Systemic racism is not stopping you from doing certain things. Come on, man. When we know for a fact that in a lot of these instances, we have African-Americans who do qualify for these particular positions and things of this particular nature. But 
the individuals doing the hiring don't feel comfortable with hiring them due to the fact that they feel more comfortable around people of their own color. That's systemic in itself. Right? And that's not something money can fix. It's not something money can buy. Right? So, anytime someone's, again, like I said, going back to the same, anytime someone says, hey, the man is not stopping you from doing anything, they're right. The man isn't stopping you from doing anything on your own. That's correct. But if you're trying to ascend in numbers within the man's company, the man will put a cap on it. Man, we'll put a cap on it, right? And that's and we can see that. We can see that. So don't give me all these NFL players, all these NBA players, all this particular stuff like this, because the vast majority of them, they don't have power. They just have a lot of money. They don't have the necessarily power. They don't have the necessarily influence to to sway um, major change. Now, LeBron James and athletes of his ilk, if more athletes of his ilk spoke out, then maybe, yeah. But LeBron James and even the other blacks that are wealthy, not rich, wealthy, I don't think as a collective they have enough power collectively to really challenge or change systemic racism. They have enough power and wealth to help empower so that we can create systems of our own. I think they have the power to do that, but I don't, but they don't have the power to make again someone change their mind. Right? But <clears throat> this is another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. We'll be back to you again next week. Peace. <laughs>